Oh. Tyler. Hello. That Borderlands movie. Yeah, it's really coming together, eh? Yeah. Um, Edgar Ramirez just joined the cast. Ooh. Yeah. And, like, we've talked about this before, like, I, I never had any interest in a Borderlands movie, but when I look at the cast that is in this movie, there's got to be something to that script that's attracting all of these A-list people. Yeah, there must be, because, I mean, none of these people are any slouches. This is quite the list here. Yeah. Like, Edgar Ramirez now, which, like, I'm pretty sure he can pick what he wants to do. Kate Blanchett, which she definitely picks what she wants to do. Kevin Hart, Jimmy Lee Curtis, Jack Black. Like, what? Yeah, I again, also no interest, but I'm just seeing this cast list. I'm genuinely curious to see how this comes together. Yeah. Yeah, especially with Eli Roth directing it. Mm-hmm. Like, that. that's... Typically, he kind of does horror, mostly, I think, right? Yeah, for the most part, he kind of goes around that horror, thriller, suspense kind of stuff. Yeah, so. I'm very interested in seeing what this movie actually is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to uh, discuss on the topic of Borderlands. I mean, we still don't have, like, an official synopsis or anything like that, but... Yeah. As it sits right now, it's a it's a pretty amazing cast list that definitely yeah. it has it has it's it's piqued my interest to say the least. Yeah, it's one of those projects where it's like you don't think it deserves that cast, but it makes you think like, okay, there's got to be something to it. Like you said, not much, really mm-hmm. more information, but like if it's attracting this level of talent, there's got to be something to it, right? For sure. Yeah, but uh, some other stuff that's uh, got my interest really going here. The Last of Us is uh, to begin filming in July and right in our fucking stomping grounds. Yeah, an hour and a half away from where we're recording this. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And exciting. I mean, good news. Like, that's just great news for the province. Great news for the country, right? But yeah, as a film fan, that's even more exciting because it's so close to home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's cool, and uh, I think it's it's actually like it's going to be filming. I think for like they said, like close to a year, which makes sense given that that game had like the game goes through all of the seasons of a year. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. I mean, yeah, yeah. Except the only thing that's a little that has me a little questionable there is like if it's supposed to go through all four seasons. I don't know if necessarily our wonderful province here was the best place to pick because we typically only have winter and summer. Yeah. Which I mean that that's probably all you need. Like yeah. probably and, and mind you, it's like eight months of winter and like four sometimes only three months of summer. Yeah. So nonetheless, very exciting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just it, one of those cool things where it's like, hey, this is taking place an hour and a half from where we are. So, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And we also got uh, 
some more casting news for The Last of Us too. Yes. So Gabriel Luna is going to play Tommy, so Joel's younger brother. And I haven't seen that guy in a whole lot. No, me neither. Uh, like Terminator Dark Fate, I remember him. But I mean, he just played the bad robot. So yeah. Um, this here he was a, a true detective, and I season was that. Well, I don't know. Someone who's a big fan of True Detective should know that. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's because it's that second season that I've wiped from my memory. I mean, I guess that is very, very possible. Maybe he was, like, not a big part of it? Maybe. It's. I watched the first season, and I don't even know if I made it through the entirety of second season, so I, I, don't, I can't really speculate either way. Yeah, like don't don't even watch the second season. Just watch the third season. Yeah. Ooh, while we're on this page, have you scrolled down a little bit? Okay. So most of these, it's for those listening. It's a uh, it's a list of video game franchises being adopted or adapted. Sorry for television. Most of these we already knew, like Resident Evil, Last of Us. But there's some uh, there's some on here that that I don't recall hearing about till right now, like Netflix cyber- doing cyberpunk, and it's live action. Yeah, a live action cyberpunk, and Amazon doing a live action Fallout. Have we talked about that? Yeah, we talked about the Fallout because that was a while ago. Oh, so it just must not be fresh in my memory. Yeah, it's, cyberpunk is the only one we haven't talked about. But I don't. When the fuck did that get announced? I don't know. It says it's going to be released in 2022, which means they've definitely got shit in the works, if that's the case. I'm just going to do a quick Google search. I don't know how that one slipped by both of us. Yeah. Okay, so apparently that happened. Here's an article from June 25th, 2020. Damn. So was that right around when we started this podcast? I think it was. So That would have been in that time frame, so that might have been why. Yeah. Uh, but this article is saying it's an anime. Yeah, and then this current one where it says live action, so... I don't want an anime, but I'd be interested in watching a, a live action cyberpunk. Yeah. Huh. Well... Hmm. I mean, that could be all right. Yeah, if they do, right? Very like, curious. Like when I, like ideally, like when I think of a cyberpunk twenty seventy seven show, I kind of would want it to just be Blade Runner, like the newest Blade Runner, like that style, but TV. Yeah. Well, it's it's not like they couldn't do it. I mean, aside from yeah. like the fact that the uh, the plot was uh lacking in many degrees there yeah. the the visual effects and stuff that they worked in with altered car- carbon right like obviously this is something that would be easily done in their wheelhouse yeah so here's a question if it is live action or even animated and it tells the same story as the game you get keanu reeves back oh yeah you can't do fucking live action cyberpunk without keanu right 
I mean, you got to think though, if he signed on to do the game, and then they were like, "Yo, we're doing doing a project," you'd think he'd be on board for it. Maybe unless he opted to do the game because it wouldn't be, you know, a whole lot of work. It's mostly voice work, right? Uh, well, it was also mocap. Like, I think he spent quite a bunch of time on it. Uh, on his IMDb page, he does not have a cyberpunk series listed right now. Oh. So maybe this is, like, just early enough that they're, like, still figuring all that out? Maybe. So. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. Anyways. But, yeah. Yeah. I'm alright with this casting this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I took it back to the news, I guess. Yeah. He, he seemed yeah. alright. And what I did see in Terminator Dark Fate, he wasn't the problem with that movie. I'll say that. Yeah, no, he <laughs> definitely wasn't. No, um, I, I, I'm sure he'll do fine. And it's just one of those things where like, maybe he's just kind of like up and coming, right? So you see him in a lot of these smaller roles and maybe this is, maybe this is the one that he smashes out of the park and you go, alright, that guy's got it. I'd like to see him do more. Yeah, and like Tommy doesn't, if you think of the Last of Us games, like he doesn't have a huge role in the first game. Like he's there, and like he's a, an important part of it. But like the second game, he's way more prominent. I think, right? Yeah. So yeah, and this is all right. Show mm-hmm. seems to be coming together. So yeah, and it looks like uh, sliced alone. Will not be returning for Creed 3. Yeah. Which is, uh. I have mixed feelings about this. I'll be completely blunt. I've got no feelings about it at all because I'm not going to watch Creed 3. I didn't watch the other Creed movies. Right. I only ever watched the original Rocky flicks. So, I mean, come back, don't come back. Yeah. So, like, I watched all of the Creed movies and I'm a big fan of them. And. Yeah, like like it's, it's it'll be kind of weird that he's not in it, but at the same time, thinking about how Creed Two went, it also makes sense. Because being that you're not going to watch them, I'll talk spoilers for a second. So like at the end, so like Creed One, Rocky ends up getting cancer, and he kind of has to beat that because he's his trainer, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of part of the first um, movie. And then the second movie is kind of same thing, but he's fighting Ivan Drago's son and Rocky's super hesitant because in the original Rockies, Ivan Drago killed, you know, Creed's dad. Mm-hmm. So, and then at kind of how they end Creed 2 is Rocky finally kind of like gets back in touch with his kid and like their family. And so he kind of like almost moves away to do that. So like it makes sense that he's not coming back because it's like, okay, they ended Sly's character in a way of like, okay, he's finally like moving on, like getting back with his family. So. Okay, fair enough. So then not really that upsetting news. No, it's just like, it'll be weird to see him not in it because it's, but at the same time, like if they're going to, continue with the Creed franchise and kind of make it its own thing. You 
kind of got to get away from the sly stuff, right? At some yeah. Point, so. So yeah, it's like it'll be weird that he's not in it, but I totally get it. So it's yeah. yeah. At some point, you got to take the training wheels off, so to speak. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's. Yeah, I get it. Fair yeah. enough. And then. So we got some other, I should have put this with the other Borderlands news, but uh, so apparently the movie is going to take place outside of what the games do. Shocker. Yeah. Which I don't know, I, th- I think I have two minds about video games doing this, like if the universe can support the movie telling its own story then I think it's fine. But, yeah, I don't know. I also am torn on this, because at one point it's like, you're bringing all the, you're you're relying on the Borderlands fan base to come watch this. So if you venture too far off and you're just using the Borderlands world to pitch your own story, you know, how is that going to hit the fans who are ultimately going to be the ones that push to support this movie, right? They're the ones that are going to, like, review bomb it or not review bomb it, right? Like, yeah, they'll have the general audience that, like, watches a trailer and goes, oh, I've never heard of Borderlands. That seems interesting. Maybe I'll go check that out. But the ones that are going to, like, genuinely make or break this are the fucking, they're the fans, so. Yeah, and it's, like, they're they're using a bunch of the characters from the games. So it's like not like they're introducing like, hey, this just takes place in the Borderlands universe and it's new characters. Like they're actually taking places and characters from the games. No, and I, I get- think just doing a new story. So, yeah, I get that. But I mean, at the same time, someone who whoever decided that this was going to be a go that they were like, yeah, Borderlands movie, that would be great. So obviously something piqued their interest, you know kind of seduce them into the idea of making this movie, which would have had to have been based off the games. Yeah. So then at what point do they go, Hey, this game is actually super interesting enough that that we should make a movie out of it. However, the storylines in all the games are utter fucking trash. We just want the characters because we think they're funny. So we're going to take the characters and do our own story. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. It it, it just kind of seems like, backhanded compliment to the fan base but that's just my take yeah and i guess that like as someone that is not a fan of those like or not a fan but like never really played those games like i can't speak to the fan base right no and i i never really played borderlands either but i know if they took some games that i do enjoy like i've always wanted to see a full-blown live action bioshock movie yeah now if they were like that is an intriguing beautiful well-crafted world let's turn that into a movie but completely change the storyline, I'd be fucking pissed. And yeah. I would boycott the shit out of that movie. Yeah. And I think that's... Yeah, and I think that's the fine line of, like, finding a video game, like, franchise that can support a story outside of what's already been told versus, like, finding something like The Last of Us where it's like, okay... Like, if they announced that Last of Us show and they were like, eh, but it's just a story in that universe, I'd be like, okay, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Right? But... Like, it's a game with a strong enough story that it's like, okay, I want to see that in a different medium versus, like, I guess a a game where it's like, hey, we have all these characters and, like, maybe the main story doesn't, like, particularly matter, so we can kind of make our own, right? Yeah. 
So I think it's very much dependent on the game. But but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, if anyone out there is a fan of this game and is uh wouldn't mind knowing what your thoughts are on this. Yeah. Like feel free to hit us up on the Twitter or in the in the email, hit us in the inbox after cuz I'm genuinely curious what a genuine diehard Borderlands fan thinks about just taking the characters but then making their own stories. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'll drop the email at the end of the show. But uh but yeah. I'm I'm curious what the fan base thinks of this. Mm-hmm. As someone that is not a part of that fan base, yeah, yeah, it'll. I think it'll come down to how that movie. Like once we start seeing stuff from that movie, right? Like it's because it's one of those things of like, okay, they're giving us this information, but we also don't really know anything and haven't seen anything from the movie, right? Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying, but that's still not. Uh, that's not going to stop me from coming no. up with my own. Pre-existing no. feelings, but God no, we wouldn't have a show if we did. Hmm. And uh, some rather depressing news. It looks like they're going forth with the season five of The Crown. Hell yeah! And news that I only care about, probably. Probably the only person in this country. Yep. Yep. So that's not true. My fiance fucking loved it, so I'm sure she'll be ecstatic. Yeah. Yeah. I. Oh, go ahead. I said, I'm, there's really not much to this other than I'm glad they're going to still keep making it. But yeah. All right, then. Yeah. They don't really give any other information other than, like, hey, it's starting to film. So, yeah. And then, remember that weird project about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's sex tape? Vaguely. Yeah. Um, which stars Sebastian Stan and Lily James. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Nick Offerman just joined that project. And I don't know why these people are doing this. Because they're all really good actors. And this seems like a real dumb project. Yeah, I had zero interest in watching this, but yeah. I'm after seeing what Nick Offerman can do in uh, Devs. I'm watching this. I'm yeah. now officially you. You got me, Hulu. Like that's it. I'm in. I'll fucking watch your stupid, stupid series about the fucking Tommy Lee Pam sex tape. Yeah, yeah. Like I was gonna check it out when they announced it was Sebastian Stan and Lily James because I really like both of them, but. Now I'm like definitely gonna check it out to see what the fuck this is. Well, kinda, kinda off topic, but still semi-related. I'm genuinely curious to see what the fallout's gonna be after this, because like it says here that Anderson and Lee are not involved in this series at all. Right. So like this makes this is two so far that I'm like absolutely aware of this one in the Mike Tyson yeah. series, where they're about famous celebrities but those celebrities aren't in are like not involved to, at all yeah. yeah so like hulu's really fucking just going after whatever the fuck they want these days it looks like yeah yeah that's also uh yeah it's weird when like they aren't attached like yeah mm-hmm. so but yeah this is a 
was a weird project, but yeah, not a, I mean, we don't really have too much else to go on other than like casting right now. So I yeah, mean, not a whole lot we can speak to yet until we get some more information. But it is interesting that such a, I would assume, not many people would give a fuck about. Yeah, has got such a uh, high tier list of uh, actors involved. Yeah, it's kind of like what we were talking with Borderlands. Like, if all these people have signed on to it, like, there's got to be something in that script. It's like, okay, maybe there is a story there worth caring about. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And then it looks like uh, Bloomhouse has their next uh, casting for their next thriller, House on the Bayou. Yeah. And I'm familiar. So it's Paul Schneider, Angela Serafian, and Jacob Lofland. Yeah. I'm not too familiar with Paul Schneider. Obviously, Angela is of Westworld fame. Yeah. And then I've seen the Maze Runner series, but I'm not. This uh, Jacob Laughlin guy is not ringing a bell. No. And like I've seen Paul Schneider and stuff, but I don't remember what. Mm-hmm. But. But yeah, this just kind of seems like another like nice little Bloomhouse, like which they've kind of been killing it lately. So yeah, which we'll discuss uh, a little later on. But they're definitely they went from like this shitty little indie horror fucking film studio to like making some of the best pieces of horror, in my personal opinion, as of late. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah. I like I'm super glad they kind of found their their niche, right? Mm-hmm. Like their like their whole kind of business model is like hey mid to like low budget horror films that are actually really good, right? You know, that they don't need them to, you know, break the box office, right? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, this is cool. And then got Sony um, renegotiated its kind of like movie rights for streaming and uh, it's going to pull everything from stars and uh, Netflix will get everything first interesting yeah apparently this was a two year auction for the exclusive Sony rights I mean good good for Netflix got to keep pulling in that content yeah and uh, apparently, I don't know if it was if it's in this article or not, or if it was like I was reading comments somewhere. But someone said that like this is a huge blow to stars because like a lot of what stars had besides like their originals was like mostly Sony content. So, oh uh, yeah, and I mean like stars has a handful of original content, but like if they don't have all the Sony stuff that could be a big blow to that whatever the star streaming services yeah well the the stars plays their streaming services weird right like I'm sure you can get subscribed standalone to stars but I always see it like as add-on packages for like four bucks like add stars to crave or add stars to Amazon yeah add stars to Apple TV yeah but I, I don't really, I've never really come across just like a standalone stars app, I guess. Yeah. I mean, neither. So, but yeah, 
Hmm. It's just kind of a, a weird business deal where it's yeah. yeah. Good for Sony, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and Netflix. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Sony's the real winner here. Yeah. I'm more surprised that uh, I shouldn't say I'm not. I'm let me rephrase this. It's a little bit disheartening. I was hoping with a deal kind of like that, that instead of Netflix getting, you know, locking this deal up for all the Sony shit, that it would be for most of Sony shit and anything that's Marvel related would go first dibs to Disney. Cause I just, I'd like to see all the Marvel shit in one spot. Yeah. So to not have Spider-Man or, and, um, or what are the other ones? There's still another one that they own the rights to, isn't there? Um, no, I think it's just Spider-Man. X-Men was Fox. Yeah. And the Hulk, the, the Hulk is something else. It's, I don't the, remember the what Hulk studio. The Hulk is Sony. No, the Hulk no? is... Uh, Lionsgate, maybe? Uh. I don't remember. The Hulk is another one. Um, and then Silver Surfer is a weird one. That's uh, that was Fox, but now Fox is Disney. Yeah, yeah. But just a thought. But yeah, and I think like the it just doesn't day and date on Disney, right? Like I think it's like after whatever the Netflix exclusive window is of like six months or something, then I think it hits Disney Plus. So, but it's just not like day and date. Disney Plus, but has Probably. any of it hit Disney? Like I, the last time I was scrolling through, I don't recall seeing any of the Spider-Man movies on Disney. Oh, I don't know. To be honest, I've never looked. Uh, yeah, well, just, I guess either way, it'd just be interesting how this all plays out long term. Yeah, we got Tom Holland starring in a new Apple TV series, The Crowded Room. Yeah, which is uh, an anthology kind of based series. I like Tom Holland, but I mean, this isn't like blowing me away. No. No, it seems like it's uh, going to portray a guy called Billy Milligan, who rose to fame as the first person to be acquitted of a crime due to some identity disorder. Disassociative identity disorder. Split personalities. Yeah. I mean, like, part of that that could be interesting. Maybe. Sure, but I don't know. <laughs> Apple TV just continues to like scoop up these big stars for these big projects, and none of them have really like hit me personally. Anyway, where it's like, oh, what? No way! I can't wait to see that. Yeah, it's like, like they they seem to just be picking up the shit that they think is. I don't know. I feel like Disney or Disney. <laughs> I feel like Apple is treating their streaming service kind of snooty and prissy. Yeah. Like it makes me think they're like the Oscars of the streaming services where they, this very, you know, top tier actors, like obscure storylines and very heavy character driven, blah, blah, blah. And then just none of it actually seems interesting or entertaining to me. Yeah. And like the only one that I've like really liked is for all mankind, which I'll talk about later, but, but yeah. Yeah, and it's weird, especially, like, we've talked about this before, but, like, how they're really prissy about 
being on certain devices, right? Yeah. So it's yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. But yeah. And then we got some more casting for that new Indiana Jones movie that they're making. So we got E.B. Walter Bridge and Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, the Phoebe casting, I was like, yeah, okay, sure. I am excited about Mads Mikkelsen because I, I genuinely yeah. think he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I, uh, I hope this new Indiana Jones is good. I hope it's not what the fourth one was. You know what I mean? The fourth one was the best one. It had Shia. Oh, yeah, and Aliens. <laughs> yeah, I'm genuinely curious to see how this all plays out. Yeah. In the so, end of things here. Yeah, so. But, I mean, they got some decent people joining it, so. Mm-hmm. And it's James Mangalod, I probably butchered that, is directing it. And I like him. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot else to say. Just another list of uh, casting additions, but yeah, it's it's starting to starting to shape the excitement that I have. So yeah, and it's kind of like it's nice that there's like tangible news to this project because it seemed like for a while it was always like they're making a new Indiana Jones, but it kind of was in like limbo, right? Yeah. So it's it seems like it's actually kind of coming together. Because for a while it seemed like ah. Eh, is it actually going to come out? Right. Yeah. yeah. Then we also got... This is going to be interesting. <laughs> Nicolaj Coster-Walda starring uh, The Second Home for Sony. Yeah. This guy looks familiar? Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. right. A sister fucker. Yep. Jamie Lannister. Yes. That was the name that I tip of the tongue couldn't fucking spit out. Yeah. I actually really liked him. Like yeah. he was never the problem with that show. No. Um, no. He definitely really he did very, very well in that in that series. Especially in the uh the later seasons when he kinda like his character arc kinda came full circle and he turned out to like kinda redeem himself. Mm-hmm. Like I thought he he was a very good actor. Um, yeah, his story arc was was very well done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this kind of project uh, seems kind of like thriller esque, or it's like small town secrets kind of thing. Yeah, follows two families beyond a faithful summer at Cape Cod, pulled through two generations. Explores how a devastating secret can derail young love, tear families apart, and change the fate of countless individuals forever if they let it. Yeah. Which sounds all right. It has potential. Yeah. Until I get a better better synopsis there, get some more movie details. I mean, that's a fairly broad... Uh description of it so until we get a little bit more i'm going to reserve my judgment but i do like him as an actor so i'll keep an eye on that project yeah i, I think that's why uh, like i was mostly excited about it is because i really like him so like seeing him 
outside of Game of Thrones, like I'm happy with because I think mm-hmm. he's great. So it's like I just want to see him in more stuff. Yeah. You know? So that's yeah. And then uh, Justin Timberlake, um, doing a sh- speaking of Apple, doing a, a show with Apple called uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Which, he hasn't acted in a while, has he? Not true. We'll discuss it later, but one of the flicks on our uh, oh, that yes. I recently watched was Palmer. Right, okay. That's right. Um, but yeah. Like, he's a CIA assassin? Yeah. Which... Uh, I'm curious. I'm curious. Yeah, because I, has he kind of played like a actiony kind of role like that? Yeah, he he did that time one with uh, Amanda Seyfried. Oh right, right. Huh. Curious how he does with that. It's like he doesn't strike me as like that type of person, right? No, he doesn't. But I also think that he is. Uh, honestly, like I'll, I'll just straight up say it. I think he is a great fucking actor. Yeah, I think every, so too. Every movie I've seen him in, whether it be the lead or the supporting role, he's absolutely nailed it. Yeah. So yeah. there's, I have no doubt that he'll be able to do this, uh, this role with ease, without yeah. a doubt. Like yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. So like, this is where I'm torn because like, the plot or like the general plot of you know how this is going to go down like what it's about i'm intrigued and yeah. i and i am a jt fan i think he's a great actor so to have him in that role i'm also intrigued but just the simple fact that their long running history of not putting out anything that i find interesting i'm hesitant because it's apple tv yeah i think the takeaway is like we like most of the projects announced by apple tv we just don't like apple tv yeah so but i mean <laughs> hey apple it's not too late to turn it around yeah yeah. So. See, so yeah. good for him. Yeah. Lucy Liu just joined New Line in DC's sh- sequel to Shazam: Fury yeah. of the Gods. Yeah. Which I haven't really seen her in a in a while. So. Yeah. And uh, I like her. Mm-hmm. So. She's gonna play the villain. So. Yeah. So I I think that'll be good, and I I quite enjoyed Shazam. Yeah, me too. It was definitely a surprise. Like. I went in with not a whole lot of expectations, but I left going, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. I came out of that movie going like, that was a shit ton of fun. Like Mm -hmm. just, just kind of a good fun time kind of superhero movie where I was like, that was enjoyed that. I'll watch more of that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, this is, this is good. She's, she's a great, so or is the villain. Yeah, absolutely. Not really too much other than hey. That sequel has a villain now. Mm-hmm. And then so Showtime is doing a a public domain anthology series. And if you were like me, you read that and went, What the fuck is that? Yeah, um, I'm curious. So it is going to take pre-existing imagery and stories from the public domain 
and tell it in brand new unique stories in an anthology format. Hmm. So basically they're going to scrape the public domain and tell new stories. And then if you read here, it will feature the voices of the following people. Alison Brie, Nick Offerman, Fred Armstein, uh, Christina Ricci, uh, who else is big? That's it so far. I like all those people. Yeah. And um, I love the fucking Duplass brothers. Yeah. So, and it says episodes will cover, you know, a range of genres, including horror, comedy, drama. So, like, I started reading this article going like, what, what the fuck? And then I ended that article going like, I kind of want to check this out. Hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely right on board with that. I like the the Duplass brothers. I'm a big fan of, and like every actor actress that you just listed there, yeah. I've loved all their shit too. So, I this is uh, this is going to be added to the keep my eye on list. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So Natalie Portman going to star in Maggie Betts HBO film The Days of Abandonment. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's news, so that would be explained why I've never heard of any of this before, but... Yeah. I'm not familiar with Maggie Betts. I'm not familiar with anything related to the story at all. No. Other than I like Natalie Portman. Yeah, and that's kind of why I put it in. It's like, I think this is... Has she done, like, a direct-to-streaming kind of thing before? I don't think so. Yeah, and I think that's that's why I put it in. It's like because she's gonna do that, and it's HBO. So it's. I think I think this has a lot of potential. Like for one, HBO. Yeah. HBO knocks most of their shit out of the park. But I also think that this is gonna do really well because I feel like this is really gonna fucking hit home for a lot of people. Yeah. The the general like plot of this is. Uh, She's going to start as a woman named Tess who basically abandoned her entire life, her personal life, her goals, everything gave up, you know, her identity more or less when she married her husband, you know, fast forward a little bit of time, her husband, her husband leaves her suddenly. And now she's left on her own to try and go back to being who she was before she gave up her identity. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think that's... So, yeah. I think, I think that that's going to hit home for a lot of people because fuck even i know people in my personal life you know who were one person and had all these goals dreams ambitions and then you know found a guy settled down gave up everything that they ever wanted to do in life and it's like so what happens when that guy leaves you know you abandon everything that you want to support this person and when they're gone you gotta figure out how to live your life right yeah yeah i think there's a ton of potential with this and like a really good kind of like character drama series Mm-hmm. you know so like and i'm i'm all in for those like if they're done right you know i'll watch the shit out of it so yeah and natalie portman is fantastic so absolutely yeah this is uh yeah i think this is a win all around so yeah. i'm curious uh do they say here a release window you didn't see one no uh, so it looks like it's early pre-production so so yeah mm-hmm. and then 
we got another Stephen King adaption. That is, uh, again, an Apple TV uh, project. Yeah. God damn it, I wish they would stop segregating all of Stephen King's content. Yeah. Like, we know who does it well, and we know who doesn't. Yeah. Give so it for to the H- love of God, yeah, just give it to HBO. Uh, yeah. Give all it to of H- it. Yeah. Yeah. Although that being said, I I did see that Mr. Mercedes is on uh, Prime now. I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm curious. Yeah, I've been meaning to because I re- I read those books, and I I think that show actually has got some decent reception. So mm-hmm. I've been meaning to check that out too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one is kind of cool because he's actually writing all of the episodes too. So actively involved. Yeah. Yeah. So he's actually writing each episode. Okay, that piques my interest a little bit more if he's actively involved and they're not just adapting off of his work. Yeah, yeah. so it seems like he's writing the whole thing and then someone else is going to direct it, so. Yeah. Yeah. Then Guy Pierce, Monica Bellucci are now uh, joining forces here with Liam Neeson in a new action thriller called Memory. Yeah. Which and- I thought after the last two, Liam Neeson was done doing the action shit. That's what I thought too, which is why I put this in. Like we talked about that. Like I know yeah. we talked about that. That he had two, and then he says, "Okay, after these two, I'm done playing the action shit." Yeah, and then he just someone gave him some money and was like, "Hey, you want to do one more?" Well, do you think it's someone gave him enough money to do one more? Or do you think he's like, "Okay, see, I'm done. All right, agent, go find me some serious character development work." And he came back and went. So I have this fucking. Guy Pierce Monica Bellucci action movie. Yeah. That's really all I got. Yeah. Or was like was there something in this script that he really liked or something? Very possible. Like I don't know. Based on the book, Memory of a Killer. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not really seeing a whole lot else. Yeah. Like Liam Neeson is going to play an expert assassin with a reputation for discreet precision. Mm-hmm. So, like, I read that and I just go, "Sounds like one of his action movies that he's done before." Yep, pretty um, much on par with all of it. So, yeah, yeah, I was kind of hoping he would get back into some of the more serious stuff because he's a great actor. Oh, for sure. Um, and some of his most recent and actiony ones have been hit or miss. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm. It's weird that he's going back to it because, like you said, it seems like he was kind of done with it. But yeah, that's what it sounded like. I guess not. Then we got uh, the Cinemax series Warrior uh, renewed for season three. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, I didn't, I haven't smashed the second season yet, but I did thoroughly enjoy the first. Very reminiscent of most of the things I enjoyed about Banshee. Yeah. And it was a good story and it had yeah. like good characters and good development all, all across the board. So I, I think this was a good choice. Yeah. And I just found out about this show like a week and a half ago and I'm almost done season two. So mm-hmm. I saw this and was like, hey, perfect. I- yeah, perfect, because uh, same thing, like, it's very much like a Banshee show where it's like, hey, I've never even heard of this before. You watch it, you're like, this is 
quietly really good. Um, so yeah, I think this is awesome. Um, yeah. yeah, way to go, way to be strong enough to get another season. Yeah, no shit. Uh, Game of Thrones star Palo Aspiek. Oh man, that's a hard one. Yeah. Anyway, he's uh he's just joined up for the Aquaman sequel. Yeah. Which I'm alright with. I liked that uh Aquaman movie. So he was decent in Game of Thrones, so Yeah, he was good in Game of Thrones. I have I still haven't actually seen Aquaman, so I can't can't speculate or comment either way, but Yeah, that's fair. Good for him. It's nice to see some of these guys who are no names hit Game of Thrones. And like absolutely crushed their respected roles in that series and then, you know, go out into the rest of Hollywood and start landing some solid roles. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me happy too, especially seems like you know, given how that show ended, like seems like that isn't hurting some people, right? Mm-hmm. You know. Well it's the prob- only the only people it should hurt are those fucking jerkoffs yeah. who wrote that final season. Yeah. Which I, I think it is. But but yeah, no, it's like you said, it's cool when you see them in like a TV show and they're really good in it that like they're actually getting noticed for that work, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then we're ready for a weird one. So the uh, Predator screen raiders are suing Disney to recapture their rights. Yeah, I'm scrolling through this, and it's interesting. Yeah, this is the first time Disney is going to court for copyright termination. Like, this seems... This is... It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's almost like... Sorry for the long pause here. I'm just trying to scroll through and get an understanding of what the fuck is happening here. Yeah, and it it seems like maybe after a waiting period, the original authors can cancel like existing rights and get it back. Hmm. If if I'm reading this right. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting out of it too. Yeah, and so it seems like they did something similar to that to try to get the rights back. Disney was like, ah, we're good because we're making a new movie. Like, there's a Predator movie coming out in the next few years, so they're like, nah. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It's I, not I, as cut and dry, right? Like, with, like, the Spider-Man rights, right? Like, Yeah, like, that's cut and dry, and it's just weird, right? Yeah, like they have to do a Spider-Man movie every so many years, and if they don't, then they lose the rights to Spider-Man. But this seems to be a little bit more of a confusing legal fucking mess. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious how this works, and I mean, Disney has got so much resources that like, I almost think that it's going to end up with them keeping it. Yeah, but- which is just savage that we live in a world where because you have more money and can pay for lawyers the longest that you don't even need to win a fucking court case. You just need to dump enough money to drag it on long enough that whoever's on the other end of this fucking court battle can't afford to keep going. 
Yeah. Fucking savage. Yeah. Like it, it sucks. Cause like I read this article and like my first thought is like, Oh, so you mean Disney's just going to keep the rights? Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, it like, cause I, I mean, do these original guys even have the resources, you know, to combat Disney, right? Disney will drag this out for years, right? They'll do yep. the typical company thing where it's like, hey, if we, even if we can't win, we'll drag it out so long that you can't afford to keep going. Yeah. Um, and we'll just tie this up for years, right? Um, That's why it'd be nice to be a fucking judge. Like, if I was a judge in the courtroom here and then they present their case and then Disney goes, yeah, but we want to reschedule a trial in like six months for evidence, I'd be like, okay, you get one reschedule. I'll give you three months gather the evidence that you allegedly need for your fucking countersuit and then let's go. And then in three months later when they're like, oh yeah, I think we discovered more stuff. We're going to have to push this back a bit. I'd be like, "Mm, too fucking bad. Is that what you got? And this one also seems extra weird because the article also says, given the time frame, seems like all studios are facing the prospect of losing franchise rights to many like works from the 1980s. So, mm-hmm. like, I bet the judgment of this case also impacts a bunch of other studios, which makes me think that, like, the studios are going to come out on top, right? Yeah, because they're all going to band together to make sure that they all don't get yeah. fucked here, right? Yeah, they're going to lobby, so it's like, hey, you know. Because this will definitely set precedent going forward. Yeah, which, like, and if you think of the 80s, like, there's so much franchise. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, like, good for them for trying to fight the good fight, but... I, Best of luck and Godspeed. Yeah, I, you're gonna need it, so... Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love weird news like this. It's yeah, cool. very odd. So. so it looks like we got Carrie Mulligan is joining Adam Sandler's new sci-fi Netflix movie, Spaceman. Yeah. Which, like, I remember when we originally talked about this project, it was kind of like, that sounds stupid. And then mm-hmm. it was like, hey, the dude that uh, did Chernobyl is also doing this. And it maybe seems like a more serious Adam Sandler project. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, oh shit, last one you did. Fuck. I think of the name. The gambling one. Yeah. I'm blanking. And me too. Um, but yeah, if it's like the last one he did, I am on board. So. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It, it has the potential. Again, there's not a whole lot to discuss here. Just another casting addition. So yeah. still gotta wait for more details. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, seems interesting. Yeah. And then got Snoop Dogg joining uh, the Netflix Vampire Thriller Day Shift. Hmm. Which also. Uh, as Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco. Yeah, this is... I don't know. Interesting, to say the least. Yeah. Because um, they say this is a thriller, but like I look at some of that lineup, and that's what I would think of as like a comedy. Yeah, it, no, I feel you there. Right? So it's like... Interesting. I'm curious if this is going to be more thriller comedy than thriller or if they're actually going to go for like here's a serious thriller I know what I mean 
Uh, yeah, I feel like it's probably going to be on the comedic side. I feel like it's going to be very much in the vein of the what we do in the shadows series. Okay, yeah, is 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 how I I feel like it's going to go. That makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, it kind of says like Jamie Fox Fox is a blue collar dad who wants to provide for his quick witted daughter and his uh, got a mundane pool cleaning job in the San Fernando Valley. Yep. But he also hunts and kills vampires as part of an international union of vampire hunters. Yeah. So, like, it's almost like supernatural. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, this is this is intriguing in the sense of, like, I just kind of want to see what it is. Well, and those are some, some big names to get into a project, right? Like, Jamie yeah. Foxx just doesn't hop on anything for a paycheck, right? So there's yeah. got to be something here. Yeah. And Dave Franco is great, so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good for Snoop Dogg. Some more acting. Yeah. Snoop Dogg is a champ. It's true. And our last piece of news here. So that Batman TV spinoff for HBO uh, Plus or Max. Apparently that's... Uh, Gonna focus on Jim Gordon. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm curious. Because it is uh based on like it's kind of a prequel to that Batman movie. Are yeah. they gonna cast um what's his name? As Gordon too? Or are they gonna like try to find a younger person? You know what I mean? Because uh, uh, the guy from Westworld is playing Gordon in the movie. Yeah. And I don't know if they have said that he is going to play that same character in the show. Yeah, I don't recall seeing, seeing either. I, I don't know how I feel about this on the whole, though, because... I don't know. I was hoping for an actual Gotham-focused Gotham series, right? I don't know if this is pretty much just going to be a character-driven show now that focuses on Commissioner Gordon. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, and I think, like, when this project was originally announced, it was like, I think it was the Sopranos guys doing it or something, you know. And then they dropped off for creative reasons, and it's like kind of the same thing as you. It's like now it's like maybe not what it was originally going to be. Mm-hmm. So, and it's weird too because, like, they also they've done a Gotham Central Jim Gordon show, right? Fox did that, like, not that long ago. Yeah. So, like, try to do something different, I guess. Right. Yeah. I. Yeah, I don't. I really. I have no idea what to comment on this. No, me neither. So, yeah. I mean, well. I'll check it out when it comes out, but my excitement is not not that high for it. I'll uh, I'll be viewing from a distance. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's it for news. Yeah. So let's get into the plethora of TV shit that we watched this week. Yeah. So we uh, both watched nobody. What did you think? I liked it. I really liked it. Yeah, it honestly, it felt like a cross between 
John Wick and the Equalizer. I had that same thought. It's it very much kind of like that. Um, it was great. But it also caught me off guard because, like, when I read the synopsis and it's like, oh, yeah, this, like, father gets his house broken into and he kind of snaps and blah, blah. And then seeing the trailer, I kind of thought it was like, he's just your average run of the mill dad and something bad happens. So then he kind of like steps it up for his family, but it's not how that played out at all. No. And, uh, so spoilers, um, turns out he's like a retired, like fucking CIA agent. Yeah. Like a killer. Yeah. Like not just a normal CIA agent, like, the CIA and the FBI, when they can't fucking do something and everything needs to stay off books and they got to, like, wipe mul- multiple people off the face of the earth. They hire him. Yeah, they call this guy in as kind of like a cleaner and he goes in and does the shit that they can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I fucking... I had a really good time with it. The action was great. Yeah. Um, and fucking Riza popped in, which was fucking awesome. Yes. I did love that, and I love that, uh, you know, Doc from Back to the Future was the dad. Yeah, he was amazing. Um, yeah. It was, all around, it was fucking, I went in with, like, no expectations, and I came out going, like, that was fucking rad. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you described it, like, perfectly, like, John Wick meets the Equalizer, and it's Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, it was... He's such a good actor too, right? Oh, he's amazing. I think what really did it for me though is like when you watch The Equalizer, you watch John Wick, like there are some moments of weakness, I guess, that you see, but for the most part, those characters are like straight up fucking ass kickers, right? Like they go into a fight scene and they fuck everybody up and then they walk away as if it was nothing. Yeah. But in this instance, like even though he's this like crazy killer and shit, like when he goes to fuck people up, like he still gets hurt and he like, you know, he gets knocked to the ground and he needs a minute to get up. And then you can see like he's injured and he's, he's moving slower and he's, you know, like it, it it adds that nice kind of touch of realism to it. Yeah. Yeah. I found that too. Like it was, the fighting was very like reminiscent of like, this is a guy that can totally take on six people at once. But it also shows the reality of like, yeah, there's people that can do that, but like, they're not going to come out completely unscathed, right? You know? Yeah. Like and when he gets uh, tossed out the bus window, right? Mm-hmm. You know, parts like that. And he's like limping back into the bus, right? So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, all around very good. And I watched it with a fiance and I don't think that's typically the genre that she favors, but she also thoroughly enjoyed it. Like it was just, it was just a good, good flick on all fronts for us. Yeah. Yeah, me too. uh, Yeah. Kind of came out of left field and, and yeah, if you're looking for that type of movie, definitely check it out because I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. No. And they definitely left the door open if uh, it does well enough for a sequel. So here's open. Yeah. Yeah. Here's open. And then, uh, touched on it earlier, but I discovered that warrior show. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I binged the first season in like three days, um, and then I'm starting on the second season, like halfway through that. That show's rad as fuck. Yeah, it's a it's a good show. Yeah, I, I can't uh, I can't have too many detail conversations because I watched the first season. That would have been when it first three, came out three years ago. Yeah, 
four years ago. So it's it's been a while, but yes, I I definitely thoroughly enjoyed it. the The story is actually quite good. Yeah, the whole setting back in that like San Francisco railway building and. You know yep. the, the infighting between the different like groups of immigrants that yeah that are involved, and the fight scenes are just miraculous. Oh yeah, the fight see the fight scenes are great. Um, yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of Banshee um, because it's like the show that you've never heard of on Cinemax, you know, and then you check it out and you're like, damn, this is really good. Um, I can't remember which key players, but there are definitely people involved in that show that were involved with Banshee. Yeah, and you can definitely tell because like, mm-hmm. it's got a lot of that vibe that banshee vibe right so it's but yeah it's uh i've been having a really good time with it so uh, yeah all around like this kind of echo what you said like the story is great the acting is great the fight choreography is great you know so it's like you tie that all together and it's like yeah this is a really good show mm-hmm. um, so yeah i'm yeah i burned through the first season like a few days yeah, i think i got four or five episodes of the second so it's uh it's solid if you if you liked banshee i think it's a no-brainer to check this out yeah for sure yep and then we both checked out made for love to be fair full disclosure i only got the first episode down but okay i've finished it all but let's just talk about i guess we can talk about just the first episode then what'd you think yeah I liked it. I'm into it. Uh, yeah. I find it very intriguing and it's, you know, totally indicative of what could eventually happen down the road, especially when you start thinking about things like uh, Elon Musk's Neuralink. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, for those who haven't seen, it's a prime show. And like the gist of it is this woman is married to this like super genius tech billionaire and he creates a technology called Made for Love, which allows you to like, feel what your partner's feeling and hear what they hear and see what they see. And they were set to be the first couple to get it to her surprise. He kind of like shocked her, pulled it out and was like, yeah, we're getting it. We're going to be the first couple. She decides she doesn't want it. Hightails it away from him, kind of runs away only to find out that at some fucking point, he already put this chip in her head. Yeah. So she's on the run, but he can literally see through her eyes and hear through her ears. So, it's it's almost got a little bit of uh, like Black Mirror vibe. Yeah, um, a little bit more comedy though. Um, yeah, and I can't, I fucking can't remember her name, but I, I quite enjoy that actress. Yeah. Um. Okay. Why am I blanking on her name too? But yeah, she's great. Yeah, she was the mother from How I Met Your Mother, and she yeah. was uh, opposite Andy Samberg in. Oh yeah, Palm Springs. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I uh, I burned through the whole season. I mean, it's quick. They're like what. 25 minute ep- 25 minute episodes yeah and i think there's seven um yeah like it, it's it's a nice little like kind of easy show to watch you know that's like intriguing and it's got some comedy and and s- stuff like that and yeah i like it yeah i'm definitely going to continue on with it we just happened to pop one episode on before bed and <clears throat> the missus wasn't really feeling it so now it's Moved from the the group list to my exclusive view list here. It uh, it reminds me of that other HBO Max show I watched, the uh, the flight attendant. Where it's like this is a totally like nice little HBO Max show that like is totally awesome to grow their content base, right? 
Mm-hmm. It's like this isn't like blown me out of the water, but like it's it's a nice little show, and I'm having a good time watching it. Right. So yeah. So if they keep making kind of that kind of quality, then I think they'll be alright. So. Yeah, I'm I'm happy so far. I can't wait to see what the rest of the season yeah. has in store. It's good. And watched a few uh, true crime docs on Netflix. I see that. So I finally got around to that Hotel Cecil uh, show. Yeah. And not bad. I uh, the parts I didn't like about it was like how they kind of veered off, went like into like the weird like internet theories. Yeah, about that. Like when they started getting deep into that, I was like, it kind of really pulled me out. Right, because at the start I was like, okay, I'm super fascinated with this hotel and this seemingly case of a girl that ends up in a water tank yeah. right um so like i was hoping they would go more into that part about it and then like i think it's like one or two episodes they talk about like the internet sleuthing around the case and i was like i'm super not into this yeah uh, i don't i don't know why but it really bothered me because they use that exact phrasing internet sleuth yeah and they used it so many fucking times that it just killed the whole phrase for me yeah and it's like uh, and like i get why they did it um but i just don't like it (laughs) if that makes any sense no i totally get it yeah so it's like so that was really the only part uh that i didn't like but i mean the stuff around that case and the history of that fucking hotel um that stuff was cool i liked that stuff yeah that was really the surprise enjoyment for me where it's like holy shit this hotel is all kinds of fucked up yeah like this hotel should almost be like demolished which correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure the hotel cecil is what american horror story hotel is based off of. yes mm-hmm. so yeah um so you know much more to that other than i like the parts around the hotel in the case but other stuff that they dedicated like one or two episodes to like really didn't do it for me no it was definitely hit and miss it had a lot of potential and i feel like they were i feel like they were just scrounging for filler at at points in that documentary which really just kind of like you said took you away from it yeah 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 i i would agree with that so it's you know is it worth watching for you know those parts Probably not. Eh, maybe. I mean, it's short enough that, like, if you're really desperate for a true crime binge, then maybe check it out. But, like, I wouldn't put it at the top of the list. No. Um, what I would put at the top of the list is the other one I watched, um, which is, I'm just going to look up the actual name. It's called This is a Robbery, the World's Biggest Art Heist. Oh, yes. And I've that's seen on, that on the front page. And that's on Netflix, and it is uh, a fucking crazy story. Yeah. So uh, the kind of premise is like Boston, St. Patty's Day. I don't remember the year. Um, two guys dress up as cops and walk into the night shift of this art museum and proceed to steal half a billion dollars worth of art and walk out. Wild. And to this day, no one has found the art. And no one has found the people that have done it. 
they kind of have an idea of who did it in the documentary. Like they kind of get to a point in like the police investigation where they're like, we're pretty sure it was these guys, but yeah, it's fucking crazy. Like they just walk in dressed as cops and take a half a billion dollars worth of art and just walk out like it's crazy. Yeah, that whole premise is pretty gnarly. I haven't actually watched it yet personally myself. I've I've seen it on that page, but yeah, I haven't gotten around to actually tackling it yet. Yeah, it it's solid, especially because it it also touches on like kind of the like art black market and how it's used. So like they kind of go into that where it's like they explain how like criminal organizations use art as like underground currency for loans and stuff. Which, like, I found super fascinating is, like, they're explaining how, like, you can get a loan as a criminal by, like, giving a third party this art piece and they'll give you, like, 50% of the value as a loan kind of thing. Mm. So, like, it kind of goes into that, which is, like, really cool. Interesting. And then, like, it also touches upon, uh, like, there's a guy in it that's, uh, like, a pretty famous, like, art, uh, like stealer that's been arrested like numerous times for it okay. um, and they go into like his fascinating like kind of past stuff like that hmm. and then they also touch upon how uh criminals use stolen art as get out of jail free cards oh. which is also really crazy um because criminals will often hang on to stolen art pieces and then when they get arrested they go hey we know you're looking for this $100 million art piece, and we know where it is, so hey, if we give it to you, and it goes back to the museum, how about you just let us off, and then the FBI will be like, yeah, that sounds good to us, because we've been looking for that, and it's a historical piece. That's wild. Right? So yeah, it, like it goes down all of these avenues of like, not just here's how the biggest art heist in the world happened, is a deep dive into the like art underground criminal stuff which is fascinating as hell hmm so I might have to bump that up on the list that sounds fascinating yeah it, it is so yeah all around really well done and yeah touches upon some really interesting like sub aspects of the crime that I that I found super interesting so mm-hmm. so yeah And we both finished uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it looks like. Yeah. What were, your, what were your closing thoughts? I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I did too. I, I really, really liked it. Yeah. I think how they, obviously, the uh, spoilers ahead, um, how they kind of finally give Sam and his Captain America, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it. That was very well done. And I think I talked about this before, but I really like how that show touches on kind of their character development, like his and Bucky's character development. Like they yeah. did a really good job with kind of playing that off. Like whereas maybe they didn't have time in the movies because in the movies they're kind of side characters. Yeah. Right. Now they can actually flesh out like here's this character's backstory and their conflicts outside of the action. Right. 
you know, and how they did that. Like, I really liked that part. So, yeah. It's, yeah, it's 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 weird. Like, I I thoroughly enjoyed that whole series, and it was a great conclusion to that mini series. But I mean, like, I don't really know what else to say other than that. Like, yeah, it, it just it was really good, and I I highly recommend, especially if you're into the Marvel shit. Like, yeah. you'll love it. Oh yeah, I honestly enjoyed it more than I did Wandavision. Uh, I think I would put it higher in Wandavision for me at least. But no, that that's fair. I feel yeah. like it's not going to matter as soon as Loki comes out. I feel like that'll be my new favorite. But yeah, fair we'll enough. See. But yeah, yeah. Kind of like you said, I don't have too much more to say other than if you like the Marvel stuff, you're going to like it. I think so. so yeah, yeah, it's just more of an example of. I'm really glad they're giving the proper resources to those kind of Disney Plus TV shows where they can do them at the same quality as the movie. Right. Yeah, well, and, and it, it gives them an opportunity to progress the overall, I don't know, what do they call it, like stages, I guess, of the yeah. Marvel Universe, right? Without having to focus a lot of time in the movies that could be otherwise directed for other important things that happen in the movies, right? Yeah. Like, if they didn't do this Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like, miniseries... And then you go into the next Marvel movie and all of a sudden you see the Falcons rocking the shield and he's got a new suit and they're actually calling him Captain America. You'd be like, wait, what? Yeah. And you'd have to dedicate, you know, a chunk of that movie to explain how and why he's now Captain America. Or a standalone Captain America that establishes everything the TV show did, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, very well done. And you, uh, yeah, I watched Palmer. Okay, so tell me about that. Uh, so the premise basically is Justin Timberlake gets out of prison after serving a twelve-year prison sentence. He gets out on early behavior, good behavior, a little early, but I think he still did like twelve years in jail. Some of that effect. Okay, so he comes out, moves back home somewhere in Georgia, I believe. Moves in with his grandmother, and uh, his grandmother has like a house and like this little piece of land. Like, they're kind of, like, outside of the town. Right. So there's this lady who lives in, like, not like a trailer like you'd see in a trailer park. Like, it literally kind of looks like like a bumper pull trailer. Okay. That's kind of parked off to the side on this lady's land. And she has a son. Okay. And the mother is an alcoholic and an addict and she'll periodically just disappear for points in time. Okay. So when this happens, the kid just like walks across the yard and comes stays with aunt Viv. That's uh Justin Timberlake's Palmer character's grandmother. Okay. So eventually, and not, sorry, not eventually, but like pretty quickly, like things kind of get off the ground. Like you, they established Justin Timberlake's character as this, you know, he was a football star and he just had this like incident where he almost killed someone, ends up in jail. He comes out, he's got that tough, you know, just out of jail facade to him. Living with his grandmother and this kid's mom ends up disappearing. So it's been several days and this kid's staying with him and his grandmother in their house. And then his grandmother passes away. Oh, so he kind of becomes like the de facto parent. Yeah, so we kind of like, well, it shows him like he struggles a little bit, like, oh, I don't want to take care of this kid, but like, whatever, goes to drop him off at the police station for child protective services, but like, he grew up without a mother, 
Oh. And his dad died when he was young, so it kind of like hit him in the heart and the tough spot. So he decides, okay, whatever, I'll just keep watching the kid. You know, before my grandmother passed away, she said sometimes she'll disappear for a week or two, but she always comes back. So he just kind of keeps looking after this kid, and eventually, you know, their bond grows stronger and stronger. And I mean, it's like without giving away too much, I feel like you can kind of see where the story goes. Yep. But it was. That's- it was good. It was it was very heartwarming, and so like I'm a sucker for these movies where kids get bullied, right? Like it really fucking hits me in the feels for some reason. Yeah. And this kid, and it was a nice touch and an interesting take, because I mean we've seen this kind of story before in movies and television shows. Yeah. Right. Like this isn't a revolutionary. Like no one's ever seen this done before on film. But the twist they added, which I both liked and disliked, was this kid, this young boy, which I can't fucking, for the life of me, remember his name. I want to say Sam, but I could be wrong. He's, I don't know, gender fluid, for lack of a better term. Okay. He's, I think he's only like six or seven. Uh, okay. And he's, he's still a boy, but he loves watching Princess Pony Sparkle and... You know, that's his favorite thing to do. And instead of at school hanging out with the boys, he hangs out with the girls and they have tea parties and do dress up and stuff like that. Right. So that kind of further pushes like the internal struggle that Justin Timberlake's character has where, you know, he grew up playing football. He was a star athlete and, you know, he's a manly man and he's out of prison now. So like he's trying to watch out for this kid temporarily but at the same time, he's kind of reluctant because this kid's very flamboyant, very free. Yeah, like how kinda, you relate to. Yeah, which kind of goes against, you know, how he was brought up in, you know, the traditional world where a boy is a boy, right? Right. So it makes for a good, like a good touching flick. But at the same time, sometimes I just got the feeling that they pushed this whole boys can little boys can actually be little girls narrative a little too hard at times uh, okay you know like like because this is an apple tv movie i believe okay yeah so sometimes i just feel like they were trying to push this narrative a little too hard given like the world climate we live in right now right where anyone can be any gender they want freely which i mean like again like i'm fine with that like you want to yeah. be a girl be a girl i don't yeah, care totally but it just felt like they kind of pushed it a little heavy in some points right just a little bit too far, whereas yeah, where it's like, like you were like, okay, I get it. Yeah, right. I get yeah. it. Yeah, just carry on with the fucking story. I understand what you're trying to do here. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But all in all, Justin Timberlake, phenomenal actor. The little yeah. the little boy who played this kid absolutely nailed it. And then it's just full of like those tear jerking moments, right? Like yeah. he Palmer's trying to get his life on track because he's out of prison, but no one wants to hire a convict and his grandmother just passed away. And now he finds himself, you know, kind of playing a pseudo role and slowly over time, actually building a deep connection with this kid and growing to love him. And then at the same time, the kid being who he is and being so free with what he likes, you know, he faces the childhood bullying and the getting picked on and. Yep. But I, I liked it. I actually, I I genuinely liked it. Like we, we kind of saw it and we're like, yeah, sure. Like that kind of sounds interesting. It was just like throw something on right before bed. We, we both really, really enjoyed it. I, it was very well done, very well done. And 
Like there's something to be said about a movie that you watch and you're like, okay, that was entertaining or like, oh, I like the way that that played out and the story, the character development, that was good. But like there were moments in this show where like I felt sad and like I felt genuinely upset and I was like, if I was there, I would have, you know, I would beat the shit out of this guy or beat the shit out of this kid, you know, like there's something to be said about a film that can actually like hit you in the emotions, like genuinely make you feel right. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I I think that's the hallmark of like a good touchy feely movie like that. Right. Like it it gets you feeling what the characters are feeling. Right. Yeah. So. So yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't have any expectations going in. I didn't think anything of it. I think we passed by it a few times when we were trying to pick a movie and none of, neither of us really paid attention to it, but the end of the day i'm glad i watched it and it was it was a good emotional ride yeah might have to check that out i, I like one i like those touchy feeling movies especially mm-hmm. if they're done well you know i don't mind one of those once in a while and justin timberlake man i mean he did so well in that role but yeah i think he does well in pretty much every role i've seen him in so yeah i think so too huh. and that was palmer i'll have to bump that up the list So. The uh, second season finale of For All Mankind happened. Oh boy. And uh, that is some of the best TV I've seen in a really long time. Is it? Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it just tied together all of the show's kind of conflicts into like one really awesome, like, kind of episode. Um, which, so the show kind of. For the most part, the season, like, you don't get the big conflicts until the very last episode. Mm-hmm. So leading up to the finale, you kind of have, like, character development and some minor conflict, but, like, nothing major. But then everything kind of builds to the last episode. And then, like, it's like, bang, okay, here's here's all your conflict. Here's everything, and, like, tying together. And it's done so good. Um like, like I felt that way about the first season, but where they go with the second season is like full on like fucking US and Russia or shooting each other on the moon and stuff like that. Like, like it gets crazy to the point where I was like, that's like it's just so well done. Like all the characters are super well developed, and they no one to kind of kill someone off and make you really feel for it right yeah um where it's not like hey we just killed this person off just to kill them off like it it works narratively and you're like damn like that fucking sucks um but yeah it's it's great it's everything about that show is great the writing the visuals the acting like everything is great um yeah i can't speak higher enough for that show it's it's great well you've been speaking highly of it for a while here so it's been something that's kind of been on my radar but i haven't committed to and i recently decided after you praised the expanse that i was gonna put that up in my tv show list here right but between the two if i'm gonna sit down and watch one which do you think is the better watch the expanse or for all of mankind um well, for all mankind only has two seasons so that would be the quicker one i'm not um, going on length i'm talking strictly quality 
for all mankind. Okay. Well, it looks like that one's going up before the expanse then. Yep. It's um for all mankind is is a slower burn than the expanse. Like the expanse kind of has a few mo- like has some more kind of bigger conflict in between you know the season, right? Mhm. Uh but like one thing going into for all mankind is like you're leading up to a finale and like like I said like you're there's going to be episodes where it's like okay it's a lot of character development and build up and maybe some minor conflict but like it's leading up to the final episode and like some people might not like that right yeah just because that's how the pacing of it is you know so if, if you're all right with that then I think it's great but I could totally see someone being like okay like I'm bored halfway through if you're not into that stuff right so okay i get what you're saying but yeah it's uh it's great i'm curious to get your thoughts on it i'll bump it up the list here and i checked out nomadland it's one of those uh movies that's been nominated for all the awards and all of that yeah how was that really really good um you ever watch uh reese witherspoon's wild i don't i didn't okay i don't think i do if i did i definitely don't remember i definitely recall the premise where she goes on that like long hike by herself yeah yeah i don't think i did so it was um so that movie was very much kind of this like character driven movie of like this person kind of dealing you know with their past and stuff like that Mm mm-hmm and so that's kind of what Nomadland is. It's, a, it's kind of uh, Frances McDormand. Um, she plays the lead, and she basically lives in, in a van. Um, so she kind of tells the story of how she ended up living in this van, kind of what happened to her past kind of thing, and kind of follows her journey as she's kind of embracing that life and kind of finding other, like the community of people that, kind of nomad around in vehicles and don't really have a house. They just kind of travel around and do like an odd job here and then kind of hang out for a while kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, super good. Like very well acted, directed. Like it's it's very much if you're into kind of like here's this kind of character drama movie. Like if you're into those, it's super well done. Um, and like I totally get why it's getting all those awards. Like she's great, and the movie's great. So, hmm. so yeah, it's like I said, a nice. It's kind of in the vein of like, like I said, Wild or like uh, uh, that Manchester by the Sea. Like it's kind of that type of like. It, it it's a character piece, right? So yeah. And so if you're into those, definitely check it out. Oh, maybe I will. Yeah. And then I uh, I watched Freaky, that Vince Vaughn horror movie. Yeah. And that was fucking awesome. It was good, eh? I had a really good time. Um, just like super well done campy horror uh, mixed in with like really gory house stuff. Uh, that was great. And uh, funny. Yeah, fucking hilarious. That fucking scene. Where they're like waiting for her to go into the police station and yeah. they're like in the car and he's like, do you, mind, do you mind if I come sit in the back seat with you? Yeah. And it's like, 
so awkward because it's like this 17 year old boy and this like 50 year old fucking man yeah oh yeah i was crying i was crying yeah me too um yeah like like how vince vaughn just acts like a fucking like 16 year old girl like he does it so well yeah crushed I, it i fucking lost it um the moment i lost it was when after they first switch bodies and just how vince vaughn runs he's just running like a flailing little girl I was just like, holy fuck, like, this is amazing. Um, and then I love that the shop instructor was the guy from uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. And he ends up just meeting the fucking naughty end of a bandsaw blade. Fucking, yeah. It was, just so, it was so good. It was like that perfect amount of like kind of cheesy, campy teen horror that I really like. And then they layered on the Bloomhouse gore um into like a fucking package that i'd think we're probably on the same page like all of the comedy hit hit on point um yeah yeah it was it was exceptionally well done and it was a nice refreshing take on like the horror genre in general yeah and yeah. like bloom house has really just been crushing it lately yeah yeah they've been knocking out of the park so um so yeah it's great um they, I don't know if they intentionally did it, but they vaguely left it up to where they could make another one if they wanted to. Yeah. And I'd be totally all right if they did. Um, but yeah, it was just, if you're into that kind of silly teen horror, um, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Very, very well done. Very yeah. happy with it. Yeah, me too. And then I checked out Mortal Kombat. Which don't get too spoiler heavy because I still I have to watch that today. I won't. Um, but I thought it was a fucking awesome time. If you go in with the expectations that it is just, it, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. Like, don't expect a deep narrative plot. Um, don't expect a lot of, like, deep character development and, like, emotional conflict. It is Mortal Kombat. It is a movie about people fighting in different arenas and they stitch a plot into that that makes it possible. Mm -hmm. But the focal point of that movie is people fighting. And that part is done fucking great. Like, it's gory. It's got, you know, gory Mortal Kombat finishers. They knit. They even weave in dumbass finishing lines for the characters like they do in the games, which totally don't make sense, but it's fucking awesome to hear in a movie. Like, at the end of one fight, someone straight up just says, flawless victory, and it's fucking amazing. Um, That's awesome. Right? But, you know, so it's like they... Like, if you go in with the expectation that, like, they're playing it kind of as, like, here is Mortal Kombat, a live action, and go in with that expectation. I think it's awesome. Right. But if you're going in without that expectation. Thinking like oh is this going to be. You know the next R rated. Gritty video game movie. That's going to catapult video game movies. This isn't that. But it's a great time. Well I didn't have any like triple A blockbuster. Expect expectations about this flick but I, a few people i've talked to they're like yeah it was not very good it was super lame and very cheesy and in my head i'm like 
Did none of you fucking remember Mortal Kombat or Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Like, yeah. those weren't grade A blockbuster, like, yeah. on point fucking they were character driven flicks. Yeah, that's exactly what it is because the whole franchise is kind of that, like, over yeah. the top cheesy action yeah. kind of thing. And that's exactly what this is. Perfect. It's, it's that cheesy action, you know, with the weakest plot threads, you know, right? But that's not what you're going in for. You're going in for some cheesy action and that sick Mortal Kombat music, you know? And mm-hmm. to me, they nailed that part of it. Like, they did that part right. And I think if you go in with those expectations, you're going to have a great time. You know, if you go in without those expectations, I could totally see why people are like, this This is stupid. Like, yeah, it's supposed to be. Um, but yeah, it's great. I had a I had a really good time with it. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. And then uh, the last thing I watched was that Mayor of Easttown show on HBO with uh, Kate Winslet. Yeah, I've seen like I've seen previews of it, but it it just it never seemed to like draw me in. Okay. So it premiered last Sunday. So I've only watched the first episode, but. I fucking love that first episode. Yeah. It is great. It is um so Kate Winslet kind of plays this detective in East Town. Um she grew up there and she knows everyone in the town kind of thing, right? She's kind of dealing with grief of like a divorce and stuff like that, like kind of going through her own issues. And uh then, you know, the first episode kind of sets up that like, hey, someone's been murdered in this small town, right? This this kind of teenage girl that was a mom, you know. So it's it's very much kind of this not true detective esque, but like kind of the that kind of genre, right? Yeah. And uh and yeah, it's just that everything about it I really liked. Like Kate Winslet is amazing, as always. I mean I think she's ever bad. She knocks it out of the park. Um as her character, like, being able to kind of show, like, the shit she's going through and also being, like, the detective with the town kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, it's super solid. Like, I, I finished the first episode and it's like, oh, it's kind of a shame. I got to wait till next Sunday. It's like, I really want to see, see where this goes kind of thing. So, yeah. Like, it's, I think all in all, if you kind of like those HBO, like, here's, like kind of cop dramas that they do so well. Like it's another one of those, but with Kate Winslet. So if that's something that you're into, then it's definitely worth checking it. So. Oh, well, maybe I'll give the first episode a little glance through and see if it's something in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, definitely into it. So That's all I've got. Yeah, I didn't really, that, I haven't gotten anything else knocked in there other nope. than that stuff so yeah uh we mentioned it before but uh we're also going to open up the uh twitter and the email if anyone is listening and wants to send in a question comment on something uh feel free to do that but the email is just tuning through the static at gmail.com and same for the twitter i believe yeah if you have something you want to get our thoughts on or question about some article or anything about what we talk about, throw it in. 
I think with that, that is all. Sounds like a good note to end on, so I'll catch you on the next one. Later.